Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We discussed last week the secret to an abundant life. And the secret to an abundant life is obedience. And I told you I wasn't going to title it obedience because then I knew if anyone asked you, you know, what are you learning in the applications class? And you said, obedience. They would think, I am not even coming near that class <laughs> because that word is just not agreeable to most, most of us. Um, but we see in the Bible over and over, I love James 1.22 because it tells us that being obedient is not just merely listening to the word, it's doing it. And James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if we go to church, if you go to church, if I go to church, and we listen and we listen and we listen, and we don't do anything, we're not really changing, then we're deceiving ourselves. We're wasting our time. And I think that's where a lot of people are. And it does feel like a waste of time. I, I need to go someplace, and you need to go someplace where you are challenged, where the word is going forth, and you're taking it in, where you are changing every time you go, and you're getting more of Jesus. And if you don't, then it is a waste of time. There are numerous good results of obeying. We talked about that. We talked about one really incredible result of obeying is that it increases your faith. It actually increases your faith. So later, go back to 1 John 3, 21 and 22. It's just amazing to read the scriptures and to realize the things that you've been praying are not necessarily obtained by prayer, but by simply obeying God. 1 John 3, 21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and confidence is faith. We receive from him anything we ask because we prayed. No, it says we receive anything from him that we ask because we obey his commands and that pleases him. Of course it pleases him. You as a father are pleased when your children obey you. And it's not pleasing to us as as mothers and fathers when our kids say that they love us but then they don't do anything that we tell them to do. And you want to kind of shake them and say, you know, if you really love me, you wouldn't talk to me that way. Or if you really love me, you would do what I asked you to do the first time. And you wouldn't do it with so much moaning and complaining, you know. I know that's happened in your family. It's happened in mine a lot. Today, we're going to be talking about the choice to obey because it is a choice. God tells us that we have a choice to obey or not to obey. And that sounds familiar to us, too, because sometimes our kids will say, well, I really can't. And you say, no, it's your choice. I don't care what all your friends are doing. I don't care what you were busy doing. I asked you to do ABC, and it was your choice to do or not do that. And it's our choice to obey or not obey God. And so... I kind of pulled the question out, well, how do I obey? And we talked about this a little bit last week. I feel like Romans 12 is the simplest thing that I can give to you of how to obey. Verse 1 says to submit your bodies unto God. That's basically what we need to do is submit your whole self to him. Pray and say, God, I don't just give you my Sunday self. I don't just give you my heart every once in a while. 
I submit my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday self to you. I submit my body to you. If you kind of nudge me and tell me not to eat that, I will do it. Um, I remember last night even we went out to La Cantera as a family, which is not a very common thing that we got to do, but we had so much fun and we came home with ice cream and I love frozen yogurt or ice cream. I just love it and I always get the biggest kind I can, you know, the biggest one I can get and then I always like lean over and bribe the person, the young people that are serving the ice cream that are, um, 98% metal, you know, they've got piercings in every part of it. Yeah. And I'm metal, but I didn't have a choice putting a rod in my back. But anyway, and I'll just say, you know, just fill it up as much as you can. Well, I was driving home and eating this yogurt, and I was so happy. And I know this may sound strange to you, but God, when I have to teach something, He really puts me through different strange things that may not make sense. And I had those last, like, really great three or four bites. But your stomach is full. And kids will put it down. But adults will be like, you know, I paid good money for that. <laughs> and not only that, um, I didn't eat really that much dinner on purpose to get the yogurt, you know. And I just really felt the Holy Spirit say, don't eat those last three bites. And so I put it down. You know, when you're studying about obedience, you become so aware of the nudging that the Lord will give you. And it's not so much that he cares about yogurt or the last three bites, but if we don't obey him in the little things, we won't obey him in the big things. And if we don't obey him in the small things, he can't give us bigger things. And so often we're praying for much bigger things, and yet God has to get us to a place of obedience so we don't hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And so he sometimes puts us through the ringer and we get to take that test of obedience in different places in our life until we pass it. So we said verse 1 to, in Romans 12 says to offer your whole self. Verse 2 in Romans 12 says to basically use the word of God to transform your mind, to renew your mind with the transforming word. And so you're praying and offering yourself to God. You're saying this morning, I really want to obey. I, I, I don't want to just, and I want to know how to obey. Well, offer yourself to God, every part of you, body, soul, and spirit. Every part of you, even all the scary parts, like the financial parts and the things that we keep back from God. Your free time. You'll be surprised at when we're obedient, how much more blessings come. It's not like he's going to punish us for obeying him. And I think that's our fear, is that God's going to ask us to do something that, that's going to hurt us in some way. And if we ever fear that, we just need to get to know God better. Because God is loving and kind and giving. And he's made all things. He's given you all things. The children you have, he gave you. You know, don't be afraid to give them back to him. Any finances we have, he's given us to be stewards of. <laughs> it reminds me, Lacey has this Shrek toy in the back of the car that if you push its belly, it burps. And it is so obnoxious. But I was happy to find out that he got it as a free McDonald's toy because I held it up. We went out to dinner with another couple and um, he sat on the, on the Shrek's, on the, on Shrek. 
And um, he held it up, you know, and here we are going to dinner. I'm in the ministry, and we're just talking. And he holds up this Shrek doll and goes, what's this? And Lacey's like, oh, push its stomach. And I'm thinking, no, don't, don't. You know, so he pushes his stomach, and he says some obnoxious things, and he burps. And I said, you know what? I just don't think that's being a good steward to buy things like that. Of course, I was just kidding. But we are to be stewards over the finances that we have. It's up to us to hear God and to give. And when you give, it'll be given back to you, overflowing. And so we need to not be afraid to give God everything because there's always, always a blessing when we do. You know, the question has been asked of me, why renew your mind? You know, and how renew your mind? And if we're going to give our bodies and give everything to God, Romans 1, and and then Romans 2, we're going to renew our minds. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The question then arises, okay, I can read the word, but how do I renew my mind and how do I renew my process of thinking so that I can be obedient? And one thing that we need to remember is that whether it be obedience or disobedience, it always starts with a thought. Even disobedience starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. And if you have a thought of doing something that's good and loving, um, hopefully it came from your heart or it may have come from the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we have a thought of like ignoring our spouse because they really irritated us by the last comment that they made that was quite sarcastic. And we've told them 20 to 2,500 times that we don't like sarcasm. And so we have a thought of like, okay, I'm going to just ignore and kind of be distant. And so that would be disobedient because God doesn't want us to treat our spouse that way. We're supposed to be in love and reacting in love. And, of course, you can tell somebody you don't appreciate sarcasm, but just ignoring them, obviously, that would not be God. Can you all agree? God would not be going, just ignore him. Can we agree on that? And so if, if you get the thought of ignore him, you know that's not from God. And so everything starts with thought. So I just want you to start arresting thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says for us to arrest thoughts that we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And what that means is when we're praying about being obedient, just be aware of what you're thinking because before you do something, you had a thought to do it. You don't just do something and you never thought about doing it. You know, That's not the way that God set up our brains. And, and, and so when a thought comes to us that's not of God, don't even entertain it. That's so big. Just say, no, I'm not going there. You know how you've said that. I know you've all said that. I'm not going there. Well, what are you saying? You're saying, I'm not going to think about that. I don't like where that leads me. I'm not going there. Maybe that leads me to bitterness. Maybe that leads me to anger. Maybe that would lead me to react in a very impatient way. I mean, try talking about somebody all day long and amplifying their irritating aspects of their personality and then You have to get together with them that evening and try being real patient and loving. It's a lot harder than if you just say, God, you know, help me. This person is difficult. 
and I'm not going there. I'm just going to not take that thought captive of, I'm going to take that thought captive of me being irritated. I'm just not going to go there. I know that's not from God either. And so, but we need to take those thoughts captive. The thoughts, whether it be disobedience or obedience, start with a thought. They do. They start with a thought. You'll have a thought. You know, I really need to give to that ministry. That's a thought before you do something. You'll have a thought. Um, exactly what I was saying before. You know, that person, I don't think I really like that person. And then maybe that thought goes into judgment. And then that thought goes into impatience when you're around them. And that's all in disobedience. You know, <laughs> my mom's here, but oh well. My mom's from East Texas. And if someone comes to the door and rings the doorbell, I grew up with, you know, all these genteel women and men from East Texas, and they go and visit each other's houses a lot. And, and once that doorbell is rung, I just remember my grandmother, and then my mother did it, and then my aunt, and then all of their friends, they would open the door as wide as they could and go, come on in this house, you know, come on, everybody. And I just, I don't know why that's so funny. And then my dad's from South Dakota. And so you don't visit each other all that much, but the weather, you know, prohibits that. And just the different north and south, I think because of television and media, we're becoming more alike. But I just remember, you know, like my grandfather opening the door and he'd just kind of stand there. The door's barely cracked and he'd go, well, hiya, you know. Thinking, gosh, this is so different. But what I'm asking you to do is when that thought comes to your door, do not say, come on in this house and sit down and let's talk. Let's talk about how obnoxious that person is and get you all riled up so that when you get around them, you can't even function in love. You need to shut the door. Shut the door and say, no, I'm not going there. And that is so important. I'm spending time on this because it's important. Because we forget that everything comes as a thought. And we forget that we have control over whether we obey God or not. And we forget that we sound just like our children to God when we give ourselves excuses. You know, oh God, you know, I'm sorry. I I, um, know you told me to um, call that person, but um, I wasn't sure if that was really you. Or I'm sorry, God, I I didn't call them because I was real busy. Or whatever it is, we give ourselves excuses and just like our kids do with us. I forgot. I was real busy. I didn't hear you. I didn't really want to. So, anyway. And then I want to touch on this, too, because I think this is so important to realize, is that as I'm sitting here looking at you, um, I realize that some of you have an easier time because of your personality, because of who you are, because of the way you Work the way that you probably came into the world, you have an easier time obeying than others. And then there's other people that are like, you know, their first word is no, 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 you know? It sounds like toddlers, whatever you say, no. And then the other word's mine, mine, mine. No matter what it is, it's theirs, you know? If it's dad's wallet, it's mine. Everything is mine. But I want to touch on that because it's important. I know that we grew up, there was three girls, and if you said to one of us, I guess I won't say who does what because I might get in trouble with my sisters. But if you were to say to one of us as a, as a child, don't touch the stove. Okay, one of those children would 
never even get near the stove, avoid the stove, not even want to touch the stove because you said don't touch the stove. If you said don't touch the stove to the other child, that child would get as close to the stove as they possibly could without touching it. Looking at the stove, blowing on the stove, turning around and looking back at the stove as close as they could, but they don't touch it. And then the third child don't touch the stove and they will do one of two things. They'll touch the stove without you looking. That was one of my sisters. Or like one of my children, they'll touch the stove while you're looking. And so I really believe that we come into the world Some of us, it's easier and we want to obey, but that's still not an excuse. I really believe that God is saying to us, such as in Psalm 139, I knew what you were going to say before you said it. I formed you. I know your inmost part. And he understands if obedience is hard for you. He understands if if there's a reason that it's hard for you. If you don't even like the word, he understands that. But if you love God today... You want to obey him. I mean, that's what the word said. If you love me, Jesus, Jesus is the word. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll talk about me. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll put a sticker on the back of your car. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll go to church every Sunday. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so the way that God understands that you love him is through obedience. And so that's why it's so important for us to talk about this. You know, I want to talk about another personality type because this is me for sure, is a perfectionist in trying to obey God and and really feeling like I should obey God all the time. All the time. I I get mad if I don't obey God and, you know, I want to obey God all the time because I love God. And you may be in here too and you really love God I'm assuming everybody loves God, but perfectionists don't cut themselves any slack. They just want to do the right thing all the time. And I just wanted to share this because this has helped me so much. My, my husband has started saying to me two things. I'll just tell you one because the other one's really irritating. <laughs> it really is. I'll tell you later. Uh, he started saying to me, Kathleen, you can't do better than the best you can. And that has helped me so much. And even looking back, you know, I'll say, you know, when she was three, if I had just put her in this different Montessori, and then we, and then she would have, and he'll say, did you do the best you can, uh, could back then? And I'd say, well, yeah. And he said, so how can you do better than the best you can? You can't. And so we've got to give all that to God too. You know, if you're a a hyper-perfectionist person and you're sitting here going, from now on I'm going to obey God because I love him, realize you, me, all of us, we're going to fall. We may mess up at lunch. We have forgiveness from God, but we need to have a heart that wants to obey. You know, some people don't even want to obey because they don't want to mess up. It's kind of like, you know... If I get my hopes up in myself, I'm going to disappoint myself, so I might as well just have low goals. Well, if you have low goals, you might meet them. But if you have high goals, like, I want to be just like Jesus. I, I want to 
help change my generation. I want to help people. I want to obey God. You, you won't meet that 100%, but I'd rather have 50% of that than 100% of I'm not going to even try. And I really believe there are a lot of Christians out there that are, they don't even know what God says. They, they don't obey Him because they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. And let's not let that be us. If we love God, we'll obey Him. You know, in speaking about this, I want to mention too that we need God to do that. Obviously, a perfectionist needs God to do that, but we also need one another. We need God to do that, but we need one another. And my dad always laughs at me because when he comes over for dinner and I cook him dinner, um, we have a sub-zero refrigerator. And once you have opened it and then closed it, it won't let you open it. I mean, anyone know what I'm talking about? It just sticks. It's like it, it um, has to get back to its correct temperature, and I don't know what to call it technologically, what it does. Does anyone know? Okay. Well, at least it makes me feel better. So it sticks. And so I'm cooking dinner, and I will get something out of the freezer, and then I'll remember, oh, I need to get something else. So I'll go over to it, and it won't open. And so he just loves to watch me try to open it. And first I'll try with my hand, and then I'll get my whole body in it, where my whole body weight is opening the fridge, and then it finally opens. And you know what? There's going to be things like that in your life that you're going to try to do. You're going to try to obey God. You're going to try to stop an addiction. You're going to try to um, love your wife the way you should. And you tried by yourself, and you asked God to help you, and that's not working, and you may need to get the whole body involved. I can't open that refrigerator or freezer, I should say, just um, pulling it. I had to get my whole body involved to get it open. And we know that in the natural realm and the physical realm, but I can't tell you how many people love God, want to obey Him. Perhaps they're alcoholics, and they've asked God to help them and deliver them, but they've forgotten that God said that we are going to need the body to help us, the body of Christ, other people. And it is pride if you don't reach out to other people. And I, I may even, it, it, it may be an eating disorder. It may be um, not an addiction. It may be that you've just tried and tried to be more kind and loving and, and God has prompted you. You know, you may need to see a counselor and you're like, no, because I'm trying and God's helping me. Well, it hasn't worked in 50 years. We need to recognize that it is okay to need the body. If, if, if there were 10 masked men that were going to come and rob your house, and they've already robbed your house before, and you found out that when they were coming, and they've already plundered your house, they took a bunch of things from you, and it was horrific. It affected, it affected you, it affected your spouse, it affected your children. And last time they came, you knew about it, but you just um, said, I can protect my family. It's just me against them. Well, it didn't work. So if you know that they're coming another time, you need to call a bunch of people to stand there with you. And that's what I'm talking about. Obedience, if we're going to go at it 100% and set our sights on Jesus, which is what we're supposed to do, and it's not what we usually do. What we usually do is we look at someone else that we think is a pretty good Christian, and then we're like, 
you know, I feel so much better that I let my kids go see that movie because the Johnsons went, or whatever it is. You know, I feel so much better that I heard that person say curse words because I feel like that person's a pretty good Christian. And we set our sights on people. We don't want our kids to do that. I don't care what other people are doing. You're my child. Any of us said that? I don't care. I don't care about Sam and Andy and John. You cannot ride your scooter going 20 miles an hour down Eldon, zigzagging across it. You can't. And then my child goes, that's just not fair. But we need to realize we are God's children. And there are even some things that he's going to tell you that he's not going to tell me if they're not in the Word. Just particular things. But to obey him, we need God, we need to have a heart that wants to obey, and we need others. We need to be able to put down our pride and say, you know what, I need help. I heard you had this problem too. Where did you get help? You know what, I'm depressed. I've asked God to help me not be depressed, and um, I don't want to be depressed, but I still am, and I need help. That's the body of Christ, and God made it that way on purpose. That is what we are going to have to do to obey all the way. You know, some believers say it's too hard to obey God. Deuteronomy 30 answers that for us. And you may be sitting here too going, you know, it's just really too hard to always obey God. I mean, she's given examples of always being loving to your spouse. That's just way too hard. Or she's given examples of being patient with your children. It's just too hard. And God has an answer for you and for me. Because I've said that too. This is just too hard even living a Christian life and and having the word say, in all things be thankful. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And my back is hurting so terribly that every movement is painful. And I want to say, God, this is just too hard to obey you and rejoice. But I promise you the times that I have just shut the door to the thoughts of of oppression or depression. And I've said, no, you may not come in. And I have opened the door to obedience and, 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 and the Holy Spirit and said, you know, I don't feel like rejoicing. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't want to. There's not one cell in my body that wants to obey God because obeying God has nothing to do with feelings whatsoever. But I go ahead and put on some praise music while I'm getting ready. There's times that Even 100% of the pain has been lifted in certain areas. But I always feel better. You will always feel better, even if you have very difficult circumstances in your life. You'll always feel better smiling than you will frowning. You'll always feel better going and forgetting about yourself and helping someone else than becoming self-consumed. And see, God knows what it's going to take to make us feel better, to make us healed, to make us whole, and to make us really be able to say, this is a great day. God made it. But we have to do it. We have to obey him. Deuteronomy 31 says, Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, 
The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands. And I could read on and on and on, but what God is saying is it's not too hard. You need to get the word in your heart and you need to get it coming out of your mouth so that you can obey me. That's what makes it easy. You know it, it comes out. I mean, spending time even just memorizing one scripture can change your life. Totally metamorphosize your whole life. One scripture. It did for me. For me, it was Romans 12 too. Totally changed my life. I mean, one scripture, but memorize. Get it in you. And don't say, well, I can't memorize because God said it's not too hard. You can, you can do small things and we can memorize. If, if I put on the music of when you were a teenager and, and I put it on really loud, um, I think we'd probably all have different music, but if I put it on and I turned down the volume, you would know the words because you repeated it and repeated it and repeated it and repeated it and that's how you memorize. You repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. It's not too hard. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. And then he says to walk in his ways. Verse 16, For I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And you know what walking in his ways are? Obeying him. You can say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm walking with Jesus. Well, not if you're not obeying him. Because Jesus is the word and if the word turns right and you turn left, you're no longer walking together. And I've done that and been there and looked around and gone, wait a minute. I'm by myself in this because God didn't tell me to do this or he told me to do the opposite. And that's not a good feeling. But what's so precious about God is the second you call out to him and say, I really need to get back on track. I need to be on the right road. He will put you there. And yes, sometimes it takes other people to help get you there too. Verse 19, Deuteronomy 30 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing, and now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that's what this lesson is about today. Choosing. Choose to obey. Choose to obey. It doesn't just affect you. It affects all the generations. Choose it because you have a choice. We're looking at different things about um, walking with Jesus and it just reminded me that walking in his ways is obeying him but the word talks about the narrow road and the narrow gate. Well, we talk about the gate and we talk about the narrow road and I want to just put out there to you when Matthew is talking about the gate or Luke is talking about the narrow door or the narrow road and of course we have to stay on that to follow Jesus. Who is the gate? I mean, just be thinking about that. It's not just a gate, but who is the gate? Who is the road? And it is Jesus and he is the word. So it's staying with the word is how we obey. And I kind of got a little bit of good old holy fear in me. I think it would be fun some Sunday just to preach fire and brimstone and just get you all worked up. Just for fun and then just, anyway. Never done it. But if you look at Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it talks about the narrow gate. 
Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And we know that when we don't obey God, it does not turn out good. And many enter through it, but the small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And then this is kind of a little bit, um, gets a little jolt in you, because it says, and only a few find it. Doesn't mean only if you find Jesus, because I look around and there's all these people that are believers. I mean, especially in South Texas. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a God. When I went to Baylor and Waco, I really felt like there was a church on every corner. I really did. And they were packed. And so, how can the word say only a few will find it? Because I believe, personally, this is my opinion that that's referring to obedience. Only a few will find that abundant life, that amazing life, that life of peace and joy, that really world-changing life that just comes from obeying God. Few will find it. And that excites me because I want to be one of those few. And I want all of you to, too, because it leads to such a beautiful place on this earth and eternally. Luke 13, verse 22, it says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem, and someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, Make every effort. In other words, it's your choice. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. And then you will say, We ate and drank with you and, and, and taught in the streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evil doers. I don't know you if you don't obey me. I don't know you because obedience is a natural desire if you love God. And I just want to ponder that and think about that because I think we're doing people a disservice when we say, oh yeah, the Bible talks about the narrow road, but we don't. <laughs> we don't talk about it, because it really makes people nervous. So we talk about, everybody's in. Our God is so loving and kind and generous, and He is your Heavenly Father, and He loves you, but He's also just. And we need to have a little bit of holy fear in us where we're like, wow, you know, am I even trying in every effort to walk in His ways? Because that is the Word of God and truth. You know, choosing to stay in disobedience causes a lot of confusion in our life. Um, and, And I can really say for me that when I have a lot of confusion, you know, where you just feel like you're confused inside and there's just a lot of static in my heart, I usually stop and pray and go, where am I not obeying you, God? That's just my way. It's a flag that comes up for me. If I'm not in peace, but I just feel that static, I feel um, nervous or confusion, 
I ask myself, I ask the Lord to pray, and I ask myself, do you already know where you're in disobedience? Because sometimes I do, and I just kind of hide and feel like God might not notice. Kind of like when you find candy in one of your kids' rooms, and you're like, I make your bed and pick up your room. You think I'm not going to find this? You know, they're four years old or whatever. Hopefully when they get older, they'll make their bed and clean up their room. I'm trying to teach um, my children to make my bed and clean up my room. It's going really well. I already told you the stove story, so none of you believe me. Repetitive disobedience causes, number one, this is a good thing, God's mercy immediately comes out. If you think about one of your children that keeps falling and slipping in the same area, your mercy comes out, but you also then know you have to punish them. And God says that if you are his son and his daughter, he will chastise you. And that is not fun. I'd almost rather be physically spanked than chastised by God because it's that hurt inside that you've disappointed God, that you've hurt God, that... You've gotten off. Um, It's a horrible feeling. And yet a wonderful feeling because you're like, man, I know I'm part of the family. I know I am because I get punished all the time. I'm just kidding. But it is a reassuring thing. But repetitive disobedience not only activates God in that way, but it also activates the enemy because it opens the door to Satan. Remember? Come on in. And that is so foolish. He then can get a stronghold in our life. And the more of a stronghold that Satan has in our life, the more effort it probably will take to be delivered from that stronghold. And so we need to realize that repetitive disobedience is a big deal. And then it also causes a confusion in your own heart. A lot of times when I am in something that I'm doing and doing and I know I shouldn't be doing, Because God has entered, he's giving me conviction, right? He's convicting me with the Holy Spirit. Kathleen, you shouldn't be doing this. But because the enemy has entered also, I'm getting accusation. Kathleen, you're just such a loser. You're never going to do it right. Accusation is from the enemy. Conviction is from God. But I'm getting both at the same time, so what am I? I'm confused. I'm totally confused. And we need to trust God and give it back to him and realize 1 John 3.20 says that when your hearts condemn you, God is greater than your heart because he knows all things. I love that scripture. I say, God, you know, my heart is really condemning me right now. I don't know if it's from you. I don't know if it's from the enemy. I don't know if it's from myself. But I just pray right now because I know that you're greater than my heart and you know all things. And you can straighten me out. Can God turn it around? This is what, oh my goodness. Um, can I start talking fast? Lacey is like, please don't talk fast. Nobody knows what you're saying. Um, you know what you need to do? If, if you weren't here last Sunday, because we are building off of last Sunday, I feel like the material was so important last Sunday, or you thought I talked too fast, please call our ministry and get the CD. I just encourage you to do that. You can get it off the website later, but um, the phone number is area code 210 822-5500. Okay, can God turn it around? Yes. You know, you may be sitting here going, great, I've got a big mess in my life. I don't know what to do. What about if I created the mess? Will he still turn it around? That's a question I get all the time. I'm 
think I may even be purposely disobeying. And a part of me wants God's blessings and the other part of me is mad and the other part of me is confused. Can God turn it around if, if it's something that I'm even willfully doing? And, and, and can he turn it around when I'm in the middle of my mess? So I'm going to read Psalm 40 to you, and I love Psalm 40. I'm just going to skip around different verses. But it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the slimy pit. You see, that tells me right there, that person couldn't get out themselves. You think about a really deep, say a 20-foot slimy pit. Good luck. And I've been there. He lifted me out of a slimy pit out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Verse 8, I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Verse 11, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. And that's what we need to be, is to say, God, my sins, My disobedience has caused a mess that I need help with. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. Let us pray. And he will, because he loves us. I'm going to pray three things. I'm also going to ask you to do something. If, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pray, and if you really feel like you particularly need to be praying this, not for someone else, but for you, I'm going to have you stand up, and the reason is we're all going to have our eyes closed anyway. But sometimes we need to have action for our own hearts to remember what we committed, to remember what we prayed. Sometimes when we're just sitting there, it seems like, did I just say the words and not mean it? So I want you to have that as a remembrance for yourself, we're going to pray that you offer your whole self to God. We're going to pray and ask forgiveness for disobedience. And thirdly, we're going to pray and and ask God to help us seek in humility what we need. It may be other persons or other members of the body, but we're going to ask God, what is it, what do I need? Let's pray. Father God, I just... Why don't you repeat after me? I just offer to you my entire body, everything I own, everything I am. It's all yours anyway. And I give it back to you. Father, I ask in Jesus' name forgiveness for disobedience for willing disobedience, for things I've done in ignorance, please forgive me and make me whole. Father, I seek you in humility. Please show me if I need um, others to help me to be whole. 
We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.